With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Taking no prisoners, this is Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome to Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. Breaking news, agriculture, which has been around for 12,000 years, is now been suddenly declared by the EU and the climate commissioners to be unsustainable. That's right. 12,000 years we've been doing agriculture, animal husbandry, animal agriculture, uh, growing crops. But in the year 2024, we've had enough. Clip one. Our farmers deserve to be listened to. I know that they are worried about the future of agriculture and about their their future as farmers. But they also know that agriculture needs to move to a more sustainable model of production so that their farms remain profitable in the years to come. Farmers need a worthwhile business case for nature-enhancing measures. Perhaps we have not made that case convincingly. The months ahead will not be easy. But I think we have an important opportunity now. It is clear to everyone in this House that our agri-food sectors, beginning with the farms, needs a long-term prospect and a willingness to listen to each other and to look for common solutions. And there you have it. That was the EU's Ursula von der Leyen telling us that farmers need to change their ways, that they need to be brought in to the future of agriculture. And she says, not only do they need to be more sustainable, uh, but they have to make sure their farmers remain profitable. Gee, what would cause their farms not to be profitable? Oh, climate compliance rules. We saw this happen in Sri Lanka. We saw it happen in the Netherlands. Uh, up to 10,000 plus small family farms weren't going to be able to afford it. They couldn't be profitable. They're, all these bureaucrats are just trying to help you. We have to meet the net zero goals and then you will be profitable. No, you'll be extinct. You'll be the farmer who has to sell his land, but the new billionaire who bought it will be gracious enough to let you stay for a fraction of their income you used to make and till the same land and serve in his interests. That's called serfdom, modern feudal serfdom. Farming 12,000 years, in the year 2024, it can no longer be. Farms in Australia being decimated, going after Canada. We have Romania, Germany, France, uh, all the farmers protesting in Brussels at the EU headquarters. The EU appears to be blinking. I'll have that in a moment. But this is the insane part of the world in which we live. We are told that the one of the most critical factors of our society is no longer sustainable. And therefore, due to these climate and environmental regulations, which are going to save the planet, they're not going to make a profit. So they're here to help you. It's as though someone shot you and then they're offering primitive medical care to save your life by saying, well, you know, I'm just here to help after they shot you with the gun because they want to sell you their medical care. They are selling the end of freedom the end of surplus food and, and uh, plentiful food. They're selling the end of meat eating. They're selling the end of freedom of movement. They're selling the end of cheap uh, and, and affordable energy. Uh, they're selling the great reset. They're selling a dystopian hell. That is what 
they're selling. Well, there is good news. Uh, and the good news is very simple. The EU farmers who have gone off all over the place throughout Europe, Germany, Romania, Netherlands, uh, France, and of course at the capital, right by the EU headquarters in Brussels, uh, they're winning. Farmers win. Major EU back down on farming emissions and regulations. This is by Joe Nova uh, from her excellent blog, uh, Joe Nova. Uh, it's at joannnova.com. Farmers win the day after mass protests. Thousands of farmers and tracted, tractors protested in the Netherlands, Germany, France, Ireland, Sweden, Portugal, Greece, and Spain. Farmers in Poland are planning to block the Ukrainian border. The French farmers held parish under seas. I showed you some of those clips yesterday here on TNT uh, with the tear gas and the flames and the tractors blocking it. The police were doing the tear gas and the flames. Uh, they're, they're even pouring manure everywhere, leaving supermarket shelves empty. They're making their point. They're saying not only no, but hell no to this EU net zero climate agenda that's going to go after farming, farmers, agriculture, plentiful food. The goal is to restrict food, soften you up, and make you want to eat uh, bugs and, and uh, be open to eating lab-grown meat. It's a way to just get you mentally prepared. So uh, let's see, the, the EU elections are coming in June and they only happen once every five years. So that was another issue with this. EU drops the net zero demands after farmers protest. This is the UK Telegraph now. The European Union has caved to an angry protest from farmers and cut a target to slash agricultural emissions as the block, as part of the bloc's net zero drive. A demand to reduce nitrogen. We've talked about that many times. It turns into nitrous oxide. They claim it's the most potent greenhouse gas. They claim human pee is a pollution uh, because a climate problem, because we're drink eating too much meat and then peeing it out in our urine. Methane, we've talked about that. I've called it the irrelevant greenhouse gas. This is how they're going to go after all animal agriculture. This is what John Kerry is now targeting the United States. Other emissions linked to farming were almost a third. Uh, that was the demand and has been removed from a wider Brussels plan. This is at the EU headquarters in uh, Brussels to cut greenhouse gas emissions by 90% by 2040. So they're just realizing it can't happen. It won't happen. It's nonsense. It's um, devastating for, for the world to have unelected bureaucrats and these climate goals interfering. And God bless the farmers who just came out, stood up and said, hell no. And they're shutting down all of Europe when they needed to. Looks like a major victory. Right now, we want, we want what we want is politicians to just renounce uh, all the climate goals and net zero and just say, this is bull bleep and be done with it. Richie Rich, prime minister in England, a perfect, just perfect representation of the, UK establishment is now not even listening to his net zero climate advisors. I mean, this has become politically toxic. Let's keep it going. This is clip two. This is from an awesome film that I was actually featured in. No, uh, no Farmers, No Food, done by Epic Times. Will you eat the bugs? Let's watch a clip of this. If you control the food, you control the people. This gives you a historical overview and some of the farmers on the ground. Clip two. Food prices are skyrocketing around the world. And if you listen to world leaders, they'll tell you it's due to climate change. Climate change is the biggest threat for the human beings. And their solution might surprise you. There are 1,900 edible insect species on the planet. The European Commission has officially declared mealworms to be food. Yes, this is true to food. 
The people in charge have determined that by switching our diets to crickets, ants, and mealworms, we'll be able to stop temperatures from rising, lower the price of food, and possibly to even save the planet. It's never about innovation. It's always about getting rid of farmers. Agenda 21 was meant to be the agenda for the 21st century. Some of the goals sound nice, ending hunger. Who could possibly be against ending hunger? It requires total power from the state. I think it's a scam. A lot of this came about in the early 70s, the Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, which were good things, but it's been abused from what the original intent is. No, maybe no, not this not one. A farm anymore. No, there's also not a farm anymore. So all these people shut down because of the government policies? Yeah. I'm the sixth generation of farmer. Yeah, I'm the fourth generation. How many years have they owned this plot of land? 40 years. I think we're the last generation. They're shutting down the small and middle-sized family-run farms. We either own property or we are property. I don't think we can trust the government anymore because they want the land. And our founding fathers understood that the land would be distributed among the people so they could always control their government. Right now, things have uh, tripled as far as cost. I think you're going to see across the board higher food prices. Has anybody been held accountable for screwing up? No. As every communist tyrant of the last hundred years has understood, if you control the food, you control the people. Everything is falling apart. There's a shortage of food. We're heading for a world food crisis, as we hear all the time. Do you see any hope for the situation? Yeah, we have to continue fighting for it. No farmers, no food. They will know it. Wow, a great Epic Times documentary. I attended the premiere of that uh, last summer. I am in the film, and that was some of the voices of uh, Margaret Byfeld, American land steward, uh, Alex Newman, a phenomenal investigative journalist, was also featured in that. Uh, and I love the line about if you don't own something, you get you are owned. And that is exactly right. You will own nothing, and you will be happy. Well, if you don't own anything, it doesn't mean no one is going to own anything. Oh, there's going to be people. Someone else will own what you used to own. Uh, and that's exactly what's happening with farmers globally right now. And that's why they are just fighting. Again, great, great work there. All right. We are going to have Dr. Jessica Rose on, and we're going to be talking about the safety and efficacy of the so-called COVID vaccines uh, and whether they're safe or not. So in that vein, I was going to uh, prepare you and I was going to have some fun here. First off, clip three, Bill Gates is upset about misinformation about vaccines. I mean, he's just, he's mad and he doesn't understand it. Let's play clip three. COVID has also changed our relationship to, to healthcare. What, what does that mean for vaccination hesitancy in developing countries and developed nations? Well, the, you know, the misinformation about vaccines uh, and associating certain people like myself or Fauci having malign intent with vaccines that was most acute in the united states but uh the pandemic which you would have thought wow global health research to talking about health being ready for the next pandemic you know when you've got millions of deaths isn't that you know it's sad it's tragic but isn't at least there a benefit that health is on the agenda sadly it's a topic nobody wants to talk about because it was painful you know it's over uh, let's move on from that. So Bill Gates is still going to push. Remember, this is the same Bill Gates who, I guess it was two years ago now, said, if you want to avoid the next pandemic, look to Australia. They're the ones that dealt with it. But Australia had some of the most severe 
vaccine mandates, severe lockdowns, one of the most authoritarian responses of any Western nation. Uh, yeah, they weren't as bad as China. Uh, but they were probably the worst among all Western nations, at least parts of Australia, Victoria and others. And they had, had the track and trace apps. They went after free speech. They removed people with military helicopters from the beach. That's who Bill Gates thinks is doing the right thing. Um, and now what they're planning now, and we've talked about the pandemic treaty, uh, but it's a whole new strategy of pandemic preparedness. Let's take a listen at clip four. This is whole new strategy called pandemic preparedness that we didn't have years ago. It was always wait around for something to happen and then respond as quickly as you can. Now, a lot of stuff is preempted, particularly in developing easily adaptable vaccine platform. Easily adaptable. So in other words, they're going to have the vaccines all up and ready, and then they're going to force the mandates. And they don't need no stinking safety tests or any kind of delays because we're always, everything's a crisis, everything's an emergency, everything's the worst and mass death tolls and we have to do this and you have to listen and you can't question it and this misinformation if you challenge any aspect of it. So be afraid of pandemic preparedness because all it means is they're lying in wait for the next uh, virus outbreak. And as I had on the uh, uh, the doctor the other day, I mean, he was just going through basically you know, they, they, these public health tyrants have nothing to really go on. Because historically, these, these, you know, even the Spanish flu, which everyone uses as the gold standard of death, it was a different world. And people died from secondary bacterial infections later. This is before antibiotics were widespread. I mean, there's just, you can't do that anymore. And, and apparently, you know, with, with the ventilation machine and with all of the crackpot ways in which we treated and weren't allowed to treat COVID, the proper ways you weren't allowed to treat it, you had a higher death toll still because of that. And of course, dying with COVID and all that and not COVID. Okay, this is, people talk about vaccine safety. Uh, and Anthony Fauci has been a pretty strong explainer of this long before COVID. And he spoke, I guess what you could say, the truth. And he was a reasonable man before all this got completely taken away. But just take a look at what a young Anthony Fauci, this is 1999, talking about how vaccines are very risky business in many ways, and you're never quite sure that they're safe. Clip five. Many scientists are beginning to believe that a vaccine against AIDS may be impossible to make and too dangerous to test. If you take it and then a year goes by and everybody's fine, then you say, okay, that's good. Now let's give it to of 500 people and then a year goes by and everything's fine. You say, well, then now let's give it to thousands of people. And then you find out that it takes 12 years for all hell to break loose. And then what have you done? And that's the question we'll be asking uh, our guest coming up here in a few minutes, Dr. Jessica Rose, whether all hell is breaking loose with the COVID vaccine. Now he's talking about an AIDS vaccine and theoretically talking about it. But this is the kind of common sense stuff you'd want to hear I hate. To, I can't believe I'm here praising 1999 version of Fauci. Still, many problems with him. The whole AIDS thing, the way he handled it, the whole way he has it set up for financial incentives and money, and the whole like the idea of the consensus and the small cabal of people who control it, and the corporate government collusion between farm. I'm not defending Fauci at all, but I'm saying he's speaking very accurate true, reasonable things that people can understand. He's telling you that there's no way you can actually know whether a new vaccine, which COVID was, and it failed all the animal tests even, uh, and there was an experimental on humans, the mRNA, uh, whether it's safe. And you can keep testing, testing. So we'll see about that. And then 
Um, this is the clip, clip six. Fauci announced a magical va vaccine, which he said was 100% safe and effective. So the 1999 Fauci went to this version of Fauci during COVID and the development of the rushed vaccine, clip six. So now we have two vaccines that are really quite effective. The mRNA vaccine, highly effective, extraordinarily efficacious, 94 to 95% for mild to moderate disease and virtually 100% efficacious because the real world effectiveness is even more impressive than the results of the clinical trial. And of course, those are those are. Uh, it was a great compilation someone put together, uh, and I wish I had the name of the person that put that together, but it was off Twitter. Uh, Fauci claiming safe and effective, no issues, and then all of course the headlines and everything's creeping out and creeping out and creeping out, showing you it's not safe and effective. Uh, as I mentioned, I never got the vaccine. No one in my family got. I'm a 93 year old mother, didn't I? Fought had my 98 year old uh, aunt in the nursing home not get it. I mean, I never believed it for a second, and I was uh, you know, a public health skeptic back in the early 90s with the whole AIDS and the myth of heterosexual AIDS, Michael Fomento, which I'd like to see if I can get Michael Fomento uh, on this show, because he, the historical work, I cite him in my book, The Great Reset, particularly on the public health tyranny and the history of Anthony Fauci. Um, he really laid out the threat. And back then, you know, it was a threat, public health tyranny, not so much public, but mismanagement, profit, and just gross negligence and the way they handled everything from you know, the AIDS and the way they would use fear and propaganda. Uh, but once it became society-wide in March of 2020 that everyone could see, it was shocking. And of course, I was already on the vaping case. They were saying that vaping kills and it's causing all these deaths. Turned out it was illegal black market vapes that kids were buying laced with marijuana, uh, with marijuana, and they were, you know, obviously not not produced by anyone and they had some additive they never should have had that kids were buying off the street illegally and they ended up shutting down all legal vapes in many countries and the cdc and the fda were telling people not to vape at all and then cigarettes went through the roof uh, and then it turned out they finally had to admit that it wasn't the actual any of the commercial vapes or what you'd know as vaping it was just these illegal black markets so the solution was to make legal vapes even more restricted to force more kids to buy illegal black market stuff because it's too hard to get the legal stuff so it's just, this is the story of public health. It's been a one of just a comedy of woes and errors. And I've had another guest on, on my earlier show here on TNT, um, uh, the Australian public health official who just thinks public health should be abolished in many ways. All right, well, we're gonna continue this. We're gonna get a deep dive into the vaccine and public health. We're gonna have Dr. Jessica Rose uh, joining us after the break. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. Stay tuned. TNT's Timothy Shea. The race is essentially now Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. Ron disappoints that this will be pulling his hat from the ring next. And the issue, as always, is why is the Nikki taking so much of the left's money? Well, maybe this will give you a little insight. She credits Hillary Clinton with inspiring her to enter politics, having attended a women's leadership summit at which Hillary spoke. And Nikki said, and I quote, I then had to decide whether I was a Republican or Democrat. See, Nikki has no core beliefs other than 
doing whatever her globalist masters, paymasters, want her to say. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. We don't rock. rock. We talk. talk. Today's News Talk. TNT Radio. Welcome back to Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. All right, joining us now is Dr. Jessica Rose. She has a Bachelor of Science Applied Mathematics. She completed a PhD in Computational Biology. She's an expert on the analysis of VIRS and committed research to the safety and underreported severe reaction in COVID vaccines. Welcome to the program, Dr. Jessica Rose. Thanks for having me. All right, why don't we just start with it. Uh, Anthony Fauci, uh, well, not recently, but uh, let's start with this. In 1999, Anthony Fauci warned us about uh, vaccines and vaccine safety and how hard it is to actually know if any given vaccine is safe. He's specifically talking about the AIDS, the potential for an AIDS vaccine. But here's Anthony Fauci, 1999. I want to play it and then get your reaction to what he says. Clip five. Many scientists are beginning to believe that a vaccine against AIDS may be impossible to make and too dangerous to test. If you take it and then a year goes by and everybody's fine, then you say, okay, that's good. Now let's give it to uh, 500 people. And then a year goes by and everything's fine. You say, well, then now let's give it to thousands of people. And then you find out that it takes 12 years for all hell to break loose. And then what have you done? All right, Dr. Jessica, is that a reasonable comment? I mean, can you finally say you're supporting something Anthony Fauci said? This was 1999, but he's basically saying to find out whether a vaccine is a, is safe takes a long time with a lot of trial, a lot of testing. Uh, and so what's your reaction to that 1999 clip of Fauci? Um, well, um, I suppose my reaction would be, I guess at one point he... Uh, he hadn't completely sold out um, because what he says is true. Um, conventional vaccines take upwards of 15 years, average 10 years to get from concept to arm. And what he was describing there is the various phases of clinical trials that these things have to go through. And we start with animal models. And like he says, we use uh, phase one, two, and three trials. And then we, um, we monitor then we use pharmacovigilance, which uh, this VAERS database that I investigate is a pharmacovigilance database. And so, yeah, it um, 12 years, I suppose that's a good number um, to focus on to be able to actually uh, be comfortable with saying that a product is safe. 
Now, the, the problem with these COVID shots, because this is, you know, natural segue here, is that sure. um, they took about 10 months, which is not long enough uh, for a conventional vaccine at all. But these are not conventional. They're not even vaccines by any definition of the word. The, the modified mRNA products I'm talking about now, they're a completely new technology from two points of view. They're uh, they, they're encapsulated in these lipid nanoparticles, which um, have still not been trialed in humans as empty carriers. So we really don't know uh, the dangerous effects of these things on their own. And there are potentially many. And, uh, and this genetic material inside, I mean, you know, I, I don't even know where to start. It's like... <laughs> Basically, what we've got here is is something very akin to gene therapy. Um, when you're talking about DNA elements inside of these things, which now we we have five labs confirming DNA presence in these alleged mRNA products. Um, it's it's just uh, yeah, it's 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 unfathomable that somebody just not so long ago who's actually talking sense has just um who knows what happened to him who knows man corruption and money does weird things to people well let's update it i have another clip here it's only 30 seconds this is anthony fauci 2021 version uh into 2022 talking about how the, the vaccine of mrna is safe and effective and then i'll get your reaction clip six so now we have two vaccines that are really quite effective the mrna vaccine highly effective extraordinarily efficacious 94 to 95 percent for mild to moderate disease and virtually 100 percent efficacious because the real world effectiveness is even more impressive than the results of the clinical trial. So was that Anthony Fauci, the same one you saw in 1999, or is he spinning this? Were, was this effective and was it safe? Actually, that's a valid question. It could be a guy in a rubber mask for all we know. But <laughs> if it is Fauci, yeah, he, he seems to be... Um, seems to have forgotten a few things about basic immunology. <laughs> I haven't. Um, yeah, I, I also have a master's degree in immunology. So, I mean, because we just didn't have enough time to trial these things properly, to test for safety or efficacy, in my opinion, um, you could never have relied on any, um, any notion of a... 95% efficacy badge. I mean, you 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 have to take a longer time to assess, you know, what's going to happen to antibody levels, what's going to happen immunologically from side effects, etc. And the Cleveland Clinic study now shows, you know, a little bit too late, but at least it's out there, which is a study of uh, Cleveland Clinic uh, employees who are young, basically all of them, that definitively shows that the more shots you get, the more COVID comes around. So you, you might even call that negative efficacy, which means that, you know, you're actually more likely to get COVID if you get like proportionally to the number of shots, I would say, because it has this 
damaging effect on your immune system. In some cases, it seems to be inducing tolerance. So yeah, it's, um, man, rushing stuff like this is not a good idea. Well, when you look at it, you'll still have doctors like on Fox News that say, well, the vaccine saved lives. Given the whole good, you know, and I think Alex Berenson, uh, I had read where he said, you know, essentially it's not, you shouldn't consider this a vaccine. It's more of like a short-term treatment and it may actually have some kind of positive effect because I guess the protein spike gets your body hyped up, but it fades in four to six months. So unless you're willing to get boosted, you know, and there's also other equally effective treatments in that short time. But then the question then becomes the side effects and long-term and why you'd even, why you'd want to take it and why you we even consider COVID a risk in the first place that you would take this. So break that down. First of all, would you consider the mRNA vaccine? Would you consider that even defined as a vaccine? Uh, is, Is that just the wrong word to use? No, no. I mean, when I think of a vaccine, I think of, um, inoculation. I think of presenting a protein from a virus or an attenuated virus, um, just presenting the immune system with something a little bit new to, you know, incite an appropriate immune response such that you develop, you know, the the antibodies and then get the T cell responses, et cetera, such that when you are challenged by the real pathogen, you mount a very fast and effective immune response. So basically you don't get sick. I mean, the concept is brilliant, but it's just been bastardized out the yin yang. And these, the genetic shots, the this modified mRNA things, they're, um, it's, it's just nothing, nothing akin to what I think of when I think of, um, inducing an immune response. The reason why is because, first of all, you have these lipid nanoparticles, which are very highly positively charged. They contain cationic lipids, which are highly toxic. This is not debatable. Transfecting cells and dumping billions of of foreign entities, which are, you know, nucleotides into your cells. And because of the nature of the genetic material with these substituted out uh, pseudouridines, your your body, your cell probably doesn't actually know what to do that with that in the, in the first place. So even at best, if you have the this modified mRNA feeding into a ribosome and proteins that are, you know, like the spoke the spike protein being produced on mass, um, it's it's just it boggles my mind how anyone would think that would be a good idea because you there's there were no measurements as to how much was produced how long this was going to occur for uh how many cells get transfected where transfection occurs um whether or not there was dna the the risk i mean it, it's just mind boggling so the more i look at this the more this looks much more like gene therapy, even though gene therapy is not this. Gene therapy is something different. It's the introduction of, um, you know, genetic material to, to you know, swap out a, a, a gene that's not healthy for one that is. So this isn't that pr- precisely. This is like a, it's like a dangerous, uh, we're playing God version of this because we have no idea how to predict what 
kind of insertional mutagenesis might occur, for example, in the context of DNA making its way to the nucleus. So, you know, I'm saying a lot of big words here, but it's just the concept of a vaccine is to pr provide protective immunity. And it's like, if this is damaging people's immune systems, which it clearly is in the literature, it's inducing tolerance in some people, which basically means they can't mount a response or their body won't mount a response to any challenge antigens. And, and they're experiencing so many other problems in terms of adverse events. It's like, it's, 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 it, I'm starting to wonder, honestly, because we still don't know what's in these shots. What's, what's in the vial? What's in the needle? We still don't know because they won't disclose it. If it ever could have worked, I really wonder because without actually knowing that, I mean, even if we sued that it was just the coding material for Spike and Spike was only manufactured by a few cells for a little bit of time, it's still, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the reason why they did it this way, I think, was to normalize the platform and this plug and play idea of like just swapping out the genetic material for the oncoming, you know, new pandemic or just, I don't know. It, it's just, I, I really hope like when I, when I speak out about this, that anybody learns a little bit about what's actually supposed to be the result of a vaccine. I mean, to have millions of people injured by a prophylactic pro-drug that is, is meant to be providing protective immunity or keeping you out of the hospital for something that you, you probably would never have a problem with in the first place. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, what, were you surprised when, I guess it was in the European Union, I think it was Pfizer, I don't think it was Moderna, I think it was a Pfizer executive admitted to the EU that they had never even tested whether it stopped transmission. Did that surprise you at all that they, you know, when they said no. it was effective vaccine, they didn't even have any clue because they never even tested for that. No, they, they didn't do a lot of things. And and this is this is the other thing that really bothers me about what they they sold to the public. It was just a big lie and they knew it. They there weren't any genotoxicity or mutagenicity studies done at all. And they write that down very clearly in one stupid statement. And, and the reason they give is because they didn't expect there to be anything. But it's like, wait now, you, you, you know that you have to do those kinds of studies when you're talking about foreign nucleotides. I mean, are you kidding me? And, and we're hearing now more and more that some of these you know, some of the, the heads of some of these agencies and so-called experts, I mean, I, I can't remember who it was, but they just admittedly had no idea what, what the word transfection meant. Um, what was the other one? The other one didn't know, know what immune um, imprinting is, like original antigenic sin, which is like one of these things that we're hearing a lot about now. And it's, it's, it's shocking. They <laughs> medical doctors who are injecting people on the daily, yeah. they they can't tell you, they can't tell you what like what the difference is between these products. I'm always picking on the modified mRNA things because those those are my meat. 
and, and a conventional vaccine, for example. You can't just rubber stamp this stuff, man. You can't see, I, I'm, I'm now of the opinion that you can't do it for conventional vaccines either, because the more I look at this, the more it looks like, because if you get a product, uh, let's just say in the United States under the childhood vaccination schedule, you, you make billions right off the bat. And if you manage to do that, you know, there's a, there's this other sequence of events that can ensue that basically just makes you real rich for the rest of your life. And everyone's sold on this idea that their, their babies need all these shots. And it's like, are you kidding me? Really? You can't see how this is just a money-making scam? <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. Wow. All right. Well, we're going to get, I want to get into that. I want to get a little bit first of all into the COVID reactions and also just all vaccines because I never considered myself anti-vax until they started pushing the COVID vaccine. And then I reevaluate, even with my dogs now, I'm questioning the vet. Why do dogs need as many of the shots as they keep pushing on them? Uh, well, we're going to talk about a lot when we come back. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. We're talking with Dr. Jessica Rose. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The cyclone that's in the north of Australia is kind of unusual for an El Nino season. That's because we have not really had an El Nino season this year in Australia. The Southern Oscillation Index, the longest running measure of the Enso or El Nino, La Nina, has not cooperated at all. And we knew this was a problem way back in the Northern Hemisphere fall in our spring because we weren't seeing a lot of typhoons. Usually when you have a big El Nino, you have a lot of typhoons going off and we had the third lowest typhoon production on record. So something funky was going on. However, that Southern Oscillation Index is going to crash for the month of February, which means that our fall should be average in Australia. Now, I'm bringing all this up because that crash in February is linked to severe cold in the United States and Europe for February into March. And we're seeing another ferocious storm attacking Norway now. A lot of heavy rain is coming into Europe over the next week. Now, the two times that happened, it turned frigid in Europe. Same thing is going to happen. Mid-February to mid-March will be frigid in Europe. You see all these storms crashing into the United States? Well, guess what? It's going to turn frigid in the United States. In fact, for much of the United States, the worst of the winter is on the way. And just think, it all hinges on looking at the weather around Australia. Isn't that nice? Hands across the water. Australia, the States, and Europe. Kumbaya. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Hi. I'm your retirement fear. But don't be scared. You're still in pretirement. Pretirement? Does that mean I have more time to plan? Precisely. Here, this is pretirement.org. Huh. Retirement savings options? <laughs> Potential tax breaks? Yep. Boo. I could build up savings for my side hustle. This isn't scary. I'm doing it. You got this. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan. Exposing the motives and agenda of the world's most powerful. Unleashed. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
Welcome back to Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. We're joined again by Dr. Jessica Rose, a vaccine expert who we're, we're going to ask a lot of questions. Here's a question for you to start out with. Um, the mRNA, you know, would you have advised in 2021, 2022, anyone to have gotten that? I'm talking 100-year-olds, 90-year-olds, people with pre-existing no. conditions, severe asthma. Uh, would you have told them, well, maybe you should consider it? Because it seems no. like the entire medical community was like, well, you know, if you have any conditions, you should get it. In my mind, it's almost like what you would worsen your risk if you took this. But what's your thought on it? Yeah, I'm not an expert on vaccines, by the way. <laughs> okay, um, I just meant what you're talking about. Okay, sure. It's okay, I, I, I'm just trying to be funny, but it's true. Um, yeah, no way, no way. I, um, I I know a lot of people who kind of were saying, yes, old people should get them. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's a real good reason why I felt very strongly about this from the very beginning. Um, the clinical trials, first of all, I just explained, were way too short. Um shorter than they ever would be for a conventional product. So the exclusion criteria list for clinical trials is very long. And what that means is that there's basically who you're tri trialing your prodrug on versus placebo, if you're lucky, and I'll, I'll get into that, um, are healthy, relatively young people. So and no one lower than 18 was allowed to be in it. And I think the original was 55 was the the, the top limit, um, which got extended. So you can't be a smoker, you can't be pregnant, you can't be trying to get pregnant, you can't have an autoimmune disease, you can't have HIV, you can't be doing, an, you know what I mean? The, the list is real freaking long. And the reason why they're long is because you don't want to give an experimental product or something that you're trialing to somebody with, you know, some kind of condition because then you have more confounders. So you, you want a pretty healthy, robust population, young. Um, but the problem with, with doing the, the, this speedy Gonzalez thing is that they never trialed these things in the infirm, in people with autoimmune conditions, with cancer, with all of these things that literally excluded them from the trial. So I always wondered, on what basis would anybody think that it was a good idea to put these things into people that hadn't even participated in trials? I mean, the trials were terrible anyway. They blew out the placebo uh, group, which basically means this wasn't a randomized controlled trial at all. They injected them all. All the data is stupid. I mean, it's it was a ridiculous trial anyway. But my point is, those people that they were, and I saw it, they were pushing them onto these, um, these people who might have had some kind of condition, like an autoimmune condition, and I'm like, those are the very, like, especially multiple sclerosis. I'll throw that out as a specific example. I've heard so many people say that they've had a flare up from multiple sclerosis, endometriosis, um, what whatever autoimmune condition they had, it, like, you know, it was okay, it was under control, blew up after they got these shots. And it's like, why the hell? Does that surprise anyone? They weren't yeah. trialed. So it's like, it's 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 not predictable. That's the point. You can't predict that it's going to have a negative effect, but it's like, you also can't say that it's not going to. So it's well, let me like, ask you, 
we knew a lot of pregnant. I knew a lot of pregnant women, just you know, extended family, and other the doctors, gynecologists assured them, "Oh, take the shot. It's absolutely safe. It's absolutely." What were they making that claim on that it was absolutely safe for someone pregnant or trying to get pregnant to take? And this is where fraud comes in because there was no data. There was no data that's sufficient to make that claim at the times that they were being made. Even though they've put out a few of the, you know, scratching each other's backs papers, it's not good enough for, for anybody who's thinking clearly about this. Women who get pregnant or are trying to get pregnant shouldn't smoke, they shouldn't drink, they shouldn't eat certain things, they should take folic acid. They, they have all this laundry line list of things to do. But hey, all of a sudden, you should definitely take this experimental product while you're pregnant or if you're trying to get pregnant. When have we ever done that? I mean, you, you can also extend that to children. COVID never affected any kids. The, the number of kids that died from COVID is minuscule. The, the infection fatality rate is like so low, you can, you can count the number of zeros. So why on earth, with all the data collected in the literature on the damages to human immune systems, would you ever put these near kids? It's, it's just, it's, it's preposterous to me. And I, I hear a lot of people saying, well, you know, the, the number of people who are affected negatively are so low. And it's like, no, they're not. They're, they're actually not. There are, there are good statistics here, and even if you don't take into account underreporting in, say, um, the passive reporting system that is VAERS, you still have millions of people filing reports. And if, <laughs> if you compare that to the past 30 years of data in VAERS for all vaccines combined, it's it's just... No one's explained this. No one's explained the discrepancy. It's not the number of shots I've compared. No one's explained this. No one's explained the discrepancy. It's not the number of shots. I've compared the number like I've normalized per million doses with just the flu shots and the COVID shots. And there's something distinctly different adverse event reporting wise associated with these COVID products. And it's just tumbleweed. It's crazy. Well, wasn't there at one point, or maybe it's still going on, the CDC didn't allow people to report adverse reactions. They pulled the website. Did that happen at one point? Or is, is it well, still? I, I think that was, uh, I always get these two mixed up because they have, they're, they're all starting with V. It was V-safe or the other one. I, I don't remember. But yeah, I went offline for a while. There's this, like, always been on the go. Uh, okay. It take a break as far as I know. But there's been a lot of data flogging. Um, there are a lot of an unanswered questions. There's a massive backlog for a long time. There probably still is. Um, but yeah, it's uh, they've reduced the updates to the VARES database uh, back to monthly. So for the, during the entire COVID area, we got this data weekly, uh, because, you know, there are a lot more reports. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, 
there, there, there's a foreign data set and a domestic data set that you can download in VAERS. And it's, it's a weird thing that um, a couple of us analysts were looking at, like myocarditis is a hot topic, right? Even the CDC has, you know, they, they couldn't avoid it. The safety signal is so big and it was affecting children, like 15-year-old boys. So even they had to fess up, right? Um, but interestingly enough, the foreign data set um, basically are the reports filed to the manufacturers for people living outside outside of the United States. And three quarters of the reports of myocarditis were hidden in the foreign data set. So say there were like, you see what I'm saying. And then Interestingly enough, I think it was November 18th, they um, they just flogged the foreign data set and basically the myocarditis signal in the foreign data set disappeared. Just poof, no more problem. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's weird. There's, there are some weird things going on in the data that have... Uh, I don't like these hanging question marks. That's my problem with it. It's like if nobody explains in a in a reasonable way why we're seeing all of the things that we're seeing, and and by nobody I mean the owners of the data because the onus is on them. Uh, if their claim, if Walensky's uh, was an honest human being. And as she stated, they're they're carefully checking VARES for all the safety signals. I mean, if yeah. she was being like honest, she would be reporting that there are over fourteen thousand different different metric coded adverse event types reported in VARES in association with these shots in alarmingly high numbers. And when you compare those to historical values. There is no comparison. Hey, maybe we need to do some uh, investigation here. You know about the myocarditis. I remember if, whenever you'd be fact-checked in the media, they'd always say, well, your ra rates of myocarditis are much higher than if you get the vaccine, if you get COVID without the vaccine, than they are from just the, the chance of getting myocarditis from the vaccine. And then I'd seen some incredible pushback on that one time. I know that was based on a completely shoddy study. But what's the truth about that? Because you'll always, if you write about myocarditis, myocarditis, it almost invariably comes up with that fact check that your risk of myocarditis is much higher if you have the if you have COVID than if you get the vaccine. Yeah, no, I haven't seen anything that substantiates that at all. Um, and interestingly enough, I I would uh, I would argue that because your much higher uh, preponderance of getting COVID if you get multiple shots, you know, you're, you're screwed either way if, if that's your logic. Like if COVID's going to give you myocarditis, the shots are going to give you COVID. Ding, ding, ding. You know, like put two and two together. The, the, you know, yeah. both of them are bad in my opinion. Like the spike protein thing that they they made up in a in a franken lab i mean it's it's a bad protein which is probably why you don't want to inject the coding material into your cells to make like billions and trillions of copies of this thing um yeah it's not it's not a good uh it's not a good protein well, let me ask you, what are some of the lessons we've learned? I mean, to me, one of the greatest blunders was President Trump 
doing Operation Warp Speed because you basically set up a rush vaccine with very little testing and no efficacy slash safety. And you set up the suppression of um, counter medicines, you know, uh, normal treatments, because if anything else worked, then you couldn't have the emergency use authorization. So I remember the spectacle of my daughter trying to get ivermectin and CVS and Walgreens or the pharmacists are like, no, we will not respect your doctor's order. We're not allowed to give that out. That's not approved by the government or the corporate government collusion. What lessons did we learn from this Operation Warp Speed emergency use authorization? And is this their new go-to? Is this we should we expect this every time there's some kind of virus outbreak to immediately go to emergency use and uh, some kind of warp speed rushing of a vaccine? Yeah, no, I, that's what I meant by plug and play. So I have no doubt right. in my mind this is what they're going to do and they're going to they're going to jazz it up and put glitter all over it and say this is the best thing since sliced bread and they're also not going to have to do any trialing because hey it's safe we proved that already because we injected billions of people and some of them are still alive and so <laughs> yeah I, I think that's exactly where this is heading I, I i don't know about like obviously i think the operation warp speed was a was not a good idea but i uh, you know, in lieu of being able to get inside Trump's head, I, I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, maybe he he genuinely thought that was a good idea and that he was just going big or going home. I don't know what he was thinking, but no, I, I think it is. that's the way Trump likes the idea. And I think he's admitted this. He basically said he wants to be that private business guy in the bureaucracy that gets things done. And in his mind, he was told by all these people, we need a vaccine. We need a vaccine. So he's like, we're going to make this happen in record time. We're going to go bigly. Unfortunately, a vaccine is the last thing you're going to have a Trumpian attitude toward. That was the problem. Well, these things for sure. I mean, um, yeah, it's it's, uh, he, you know, again, I don't know what he was thinking, but he, he probably believed the people what people were telling him. And he probably believed in their expertise as well. I mean, everyone thought Fauci was some kind of demigod. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Why would anyone think any one person, even if they're wearing a white coat, knew everything? That's ridiculous. Come on, what happened to our common sense? Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think it is going to become. They're going to try to make it the status quo. So I I really hope I really hope that people um, they they never buy into this lie that you shouldn't do your own research because basically what that means is reading basically yeah. when you hear somebody saying don't do your own research it means they're telling you not to freaking read i mean come on guys read read a lot um don't don't get fooled by people with big words trying to throw you off and thinking that you you can't understand stuff because it's all pretty simple when you think about it um and i think everybody also knows at least one person who's been affected in an injury way by these shots and you just you can't you kind of can't look away once you start seeing it i mean young people are dying people are getting uh dis disabled I, I mean this is really high affair um all right thank you dr jessica rose what's the website people can find out more uh jessica's universe i just updated it and uh, you can find my Substack links there and um i'm on twitter but doesn't have any reach. <laughs> okay. Dr. Jessica Rose, jessicasuniverse.com. And also Jessica Rose is on 
uh, Twitter. Thank you so much for joining. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano. See you next time. <laughs>